Beloved Church of God, beginning our service before the Lord, let us stand and affirm the promise that is related to the door of our hope. May the resurrection of Christ reign in our bodies. Let us bow our heads in prayer. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we are grateful to your holy name for this great privilege to be in this place that your hand has outlined for the worship of your holy name. And so allow your inheritance in the name of the covenant of blood to be lifted to unreachable heights to us and to break all evil and sin that binds us. May in this service be cursed as before all the works of devil, illnesses, poverty, premature death, demonic dependencies, all forms of fears, depression, destruction, covetousness, ignorance, all of this, let it depart from the tents of your holy people. And so stand, Lord, in the place of your rest, you in the ark of your greatness. And may your saints be clothed in your salvation, and may they rejoice before your countenance. Give us more from your Spirit. Fill us with your Holy Spirit. May allow us to find your holy countenance. I present the service into your divine arms. Guide it with your uplifted hand. Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Amen. May the Lord bless you. You may be seated. Oh, 
James, chapter 2, verse 5. Listen, my beloved brethren, has God not chosen the poor of this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom which he promised to those who love him? Such decrees or such words cut the root of all those emissaries of mammons who are dressed as preachers and pastors and who preach prosperity as a standard and as evidence that they are freed from the spirit of poverty. In fact, they are naked, blind, and poor. Listen, brothers, have not the poor been chosen to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom which he has promised to those who love him? And so according to these words, it follows that the reason why Apostle James had to write these words was contained in the fact that the church, against the truth of Scripture, began to define the level of their spirituality by the measure of their wallets. As you can see, this idea is not quite new because it has a 2,000 year difference between us and those words. The words of Apostle James were so strong that for 2,000 years this thought all of a sudden, today, even in specifically in our days, it has been it has been restored again. And therefore, the words of James are not offered as an alternative, but as a command to measure our riches, not by the measure of our wallets, but the measure of our faith. For I say, through the grace given to me to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one, a measure of faith. Romans chapter 12, verse 3. According to these places that have been mentioned, the measure of our faith is contained or comprised in the knowledge of the nature of God and knowledge of the truth about peaceful relations with God. A question arises. Should we understand that the rich in faith cannot be among those who are chosen to have the kingdom of heaven? To answer this question, it is necessary to find what scripture views as rich, those who are rich in the world and those who are poor. Those who are rich in, in this world are those who rely on the riches or money in this world. It's possible to be poor in this world, but also rely on money, on decaying riches. And on the contrary, it's possible to be rich but be free from dependence on money. 
and to be poor, to be dependent on God. The truth is contained in this, that a person who depends on money cannot be rich in faith, never. And therefore, by being found in such a state, his salvation from eternal perdition will always be in danger and under a big question. If he does not destroy his relationship to money by beginning to, with joy, voluntarily, dividing to God his tithes and offerings, then honoring God, worshiping Him and searching for Him in this, in this service, and showing God and presenting arguments, evidence that I am your tithe, I am hallowed unto you, therefore I bring it to you. Jesus says to His disciples, Matthew chapter 10 verses 10.23-24 Children, how difficult it is for those who rely on riches to be found in the kingdom of heaven. I repeat this truth numerous times. God isn't surprised by our ability to obtain riches, but He is surprised and astonished by our faith. Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 21. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Matthew chapter 6, verses 19. 19 through 21. According to these words, where our tithes and offerings will be placed, there our heart will be. And where our heart will be, there we will be. Riches, or the equivalent in money, is the most ancient idol, which people, due to their seduction, first were found dependent on an Edom when they had stretched out their hand and ate of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, which although it was found in their belonging, in their control, it did not belong to them. This was the belonging of God. It was hallowed unto God. The same way tithes, although they are found in our control, they did not belong to us. And therefore, it is from our relationship to what is hallowed unto God in the form of tithes and offerings, we can inherit either blessings or curses, for the root of for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. First Timothy chapter six verse ten. So many sorrows people are going to be subject to which are going to be they are going to leave church and find reasons to leave church to gain riches. There is no reason to leave church. You need to do everything to honor the Sabbath of God. What is the congregation of saints? It is a Sabbath of the Lord. And each time it gathers, in this time, the Sabbath of the Lord is proclaimed, and to honor it means to leave all of your works and to come and to worship God, to honor the Sabbath of the Lord. 
because our tithes are offered into the Sabbath, into the treasury. Only in doing so do we honor God, because if someone begins to give their tithes to some kind of evangelist, is swayed by some kind of preachers, if you do not receive food from these people, continuous food because someone does miracles wonder someone calls someone to repentance this does not give you food you're not going to be saved from this you need the bread of life the discipline the teaching about the blood of christ and the cross of christ because the blood of jesus cleanses from all sin and the cross separates us from the manufacturer of sin and in order to receive these disciplines in our heart in the seed of the word of truth and then to grow them it is necessary for us to not look to an evangelist, to look to an apostle, pastor, teacher, who is going to teach us these things. Because when you call people from the world, you call on them from the world, to come from the world, and only then, only then will they be found in church, if they will be found in the church. And if they are found in church, otherwise they might end up in some kind of synagogue or a Satan that the same evangelist founds, proclaiming himself as a pastor and apostle not being so. You won't find these kind of evangelists these days that are going to act according to the measure of their faith. And so the root of all evil is defined by the dependence on money, and the root of all good is defined not on the dependence on money, but ruling over money or dominion over money. This is one and the same thing. We are going to honor God in tithes and offerings, representing to Him that we are His tithes. This is our evidence that we are His tithes. Simultaneously doing so, we are going to acknowledge His authority over us and express our love and worship Him. Because our worship with empty hands is, is, law, is lawless. Do not come into my home with empty hands. Bring that which I have blessed you with. Let us stand. This is our unique ability when we destroy the powers of darkness, when heavens come to triumph and joy and hell is covered with shame. We destroy the power of death in our body when we voluntarily, with joy, honor God and express His love and express our love to Him. And so let us remember that each time Israel had honored God and had honored God in tithes and offerings, either in the tabernacle of Moses or the temple of Solomon, they were called to, according to the words that Moses had received as a revelation from God, to raise their hands over their offerings and proclaim one unique proclamation that they were faithful to for thousands of years. We, being that same Israel, tied to that same root, drinking from the fruit of the same olive tree, will do the same thing. Please raise your right hand, a symbol over your righteous act, and pray along with me. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I have separated the tithes from my home and brought them into your home, so that your home may have food 
I did not give impurely, I did not give in sorrow, and I did not give for the dead. I rejoice that I have the privilege to express my love and to acknowledge your authority. And according to your word, I ask you, right now, may your heavenly windows be opened and may your blessings come down abundantly upon your redeemed nation. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Amen. May the Lord bless you. You may be seated.
тебя взираю, Ненавижу я тебя, Вечности тебя узнаю, Я лицом к лицу тогда. So if you have your Bibles, please open up with me a familiar place of Scripture that continues to keep depth of the wisdom, the treasure of wisdom that the Lord has kept for us these days. Matthew 5, 45 and 48. That you may be sons of your Father in heaven, for he makes a sun rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. Therefore, you shall be perfect, just as your Father in heaven is perfect. The sermon that I would like to continue is called Call to Perfection. Linked to the path that leads us to perfection, we have been studying the path that leads us to God as to our groom in the symbolic story of the path of Rebecca to Isaac, and have been studying the signs presented in the Bride of the Lamb. Rebecca presented these signs in the virtue of the Lily of the Valleys, upon which we are called to look with the eyes of our heart or with the eyes of faith, so that we can form ourselves into the image of perfection that is in the likeness of our Heavenly Father. And for for this reason she left her nation, her house, and her previous life, so she can follow Eleazar to her groom Isaac. <coughs> Eleazar in scripture symbolizes the Holy Spirit that came down upon the disciples of the Lord in the day that they were celebrating the Pentecost to lead the small flock to the perfection in Jesus Christ. We note that in our situation, celebrating the Feast of the Pentecost is accepting the Holy Spirit into your heart, not as an honored guest, but as Lord of your life, which will allow us to bind ourselves to the Holy Spirit upon the condition outlined in Scripture, to be led by the Holy Spirit.
who is the who is evidence of our sonhood or our family with God. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God, Romans 8.14. Pay attention, not all that are baptized in speaking in tongues are led by the Spirit, but those who are led by the Spirit. I grew up in a Pentecost church, although I turned And so I grew up in a Pentecost church, but I needed to attend also services of the Baptists and others. But in these churches of the Pentecost churches, those who have the Holy Spirit are only those who speak in tongues, and speaking in tongues is being led by the Holy Spirit. But this is definitely a great mistake, and this is a lie and perversion of truth. It is not written about baptism of the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues, but those who are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. The thing is a person not taught how to receive the Holy Spirit as the Lord of his life will never be able to bind himself to the Holy Spirit and understandably will not be able to be led by the Holy Spirit. And in result, this person will lose their sonhood, that is, they will lose their salvation and they will inherit eternal death, not looking at the fact that at one time he received him in the baptism of the Holy Spirit as a guest. You can speak in tongues and not have insufficiency in any gift, and at the same time remain a person of the flesh, not having the Spirit, and will resist all that comes from the Spirit of God. Apostle Paul, turning to the Corinthian church, or the Church of God that was in Corinthia, because <clears throat> there is not a Corinthian church or Ephesian church, but God's church in those places. He said, you don't have an insufficiency in any gift, but I couldn't speak with you as people of the Spirit, for you were the people of the flesh. Apostle Peter, Apostle Jude also confirmed this truth. Therefore, speaking in tongues and practicing spiritual gifts is a spiritual experience, <clears throat> but it is not called to make us spiritual or to change our character into the character of Christ, the character we inherited from the sinful conduct and life of our fathers. The teaching of the cross is given for the purpose of separating us from our nation, from our house, and from our life in the flesh. Because the blood of Jesus Christ forgives sin, but it does not separate a person from sin. It forgives sin. To separate a person from sin is to separate him from his nation, from his house, and from his corrupt desires. With all this, we note that specifically during the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we receive a unique and destiny-affecting ability to either receive the Holy Spirit in the form of the Lord of our life, to then receive from Him and in Him strength to perform a complete and total separation from our nation, from our house, and from our corrupt desires. To then in the Holy Spirit and through the Holy Spirit bear to God the fruits of righteousness, that is, lead a godly life that carries the power of the resurrection of Christ. The Holy Spirit is that same fire that inflames our uh, our prayers from the uh, bronze altar. This is the same fire that allows our spirit to burn, a lamp that burns brightly. When we're baptized by the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues, we also receive the opportunity to receive the Holy Spirit in the form of a dear guest and continue to remain in the dependence of our nation, our house, and our corrupt desires. 
And so to receive the Holy Spirit as the Lord and the Master of your life, we came to the conclusion that looking at the conditions of celebrating the Feast of the Pentecost that is contained in the book of Leviticus 23.15-21, we need to fulfill seven requirements presented in the celebration of the Feast of the Pentecost. In these requirements, we will see those things that we need to fulfill today in order to receive the Holy Spirit as the Lord and Master of our life and to bind ourselves to Him. It is not Him who will bind us, but we ourselves need to bind ourselves to Him to be able to be led by the Spirit of God. And so here are the seven requirements. First, in the day of the celebration of the Feast of the Pentecost, you needed to bring two wave loaves that needed to be prepared from two-tenths of an ephah of fine flour. These two wave loaves talks about the fact that they are leavened uh, with uh, breads, and so they... The kingdom of heaven is as a woman who took the leaven and put it into three measures of flour in order to leaven the spirit, soul, and body. But the fact that there are two of them is the word of God and the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will never come without the word, and the word will never be able be with the Holy Spirit without the Holy Spirit. The Holy, Holy Spirit works within the boundaries of the Word of God. This is the kingdom of heaven, the seed of the Word of God that is preached to us about the kingdom of heaven. What is the kingdom of heaven? That salvation and the kingdom of heaven are one essence. Because today, people present or offer salvation out of the kingdom of heaven. They said you can have salvation, but not have the kingdom of heaven. Because for the kingdom of heaven, a high price is to be paid. Jesus said, from the days of John the Baptist, the kingdom of heaven has been uh, pretty much up needing to be obtained with uh, a lot of work or, or a lot of commitment and sacrifice. But people forget that salvation is the kingdom of heaven, and the kingdom of heaven is salvation. Jesus never preached salvation separate from the kingdom of heaven. He only preached the kingdom of heaven. If you remember, he preached only the kingdom of heaven because the salvation is in the kingdom of heaven. It is not out of it. There does not exist a salvation out of the kingdom of heaven. And so the kingdom of heaven begins with receiving. We receive, we bring before the Lord what we have. Before we are taught this kingdom, we need to have the teaching about the kingdom that is the teaching of Jesus Christ that came in the flesh. As we repeat it, we study it in the 12 uh, uh, elementary teachings that it be written upon our heart. And when we, ha and when we have this thummim, then the urim comes, the revelation of the Holy Spirit comes, and they begin to work together, they collaborate. If the Holy Spirit will not see this thummim there, nothing will happen there. The Lord will not uh, reveal himself at the mercy seat if the tablets of the covenant will not be there the commandments, the truth that is a symbol of the grace and teaching of Jesus Christ that came in the flesh. Further, with the two wa uh, new wave loaves, you needed to present seven lambs of the first year. This is wholeness, salvation. Together with the two new wave loaves, it is necessary also to offer one young bull and two rams. And we talked about the fact that this bull is uh, the strength of our soul where we submit the strength of our soul and the two rams are the two format of 
a format of two formats of thinking. The ram is led by, uh, the, is pretty much they lead the flock, and the, we have two rams, that is our mind and our spirit, our renewed mind and our spirit, and they work together, and they lead our flocks. Those who do not have a renewed mind, people of the in spiritual childhood, they don't have this ram to present. They don't have the other one either because he has not yet matured. We have a sister, but she is still young. She does not have breasts. Uh, what will we do when they ask for her? So these kinds of people, people that are of spiritual childhood, not in their spirit, not in their mind, do they have these rams. They don't have these two leaders that, that would lead their mind. Their mind is in all scattered anywhere. Anyone can lead them. Sometimes their mind is led by their feelings their corrupt desires, and so forth. Further, together with the two new wave loaves, it is necessary to uh, bring the grain offerings and the drink offerings. And we looked at this. This is the pure frankincense and the salt that was put there and the wine that was put there. There is, again, the presence of the Holy Spirit, the presence of joy and salvation. Together with the two new wave loaves, it was necessary to sacrifice one kid of the goats from the goat herd as an offering for sin and two male lambs of the first year as a peace offerings <clears throat> and the next <clears throat> the priest needed to bring all of these things and the way and wave them before the lord together with the wave breads and the two lambs and the seventh was the offering these offerings were to be brought during the time of the holy convocation at the time when no customary work was to be done <clears throat> in a particular format, we have already looked at six meanings that are contained in six examples of celebrating the Feast of the Pentecost and stopped to study the seventh meaning, the symbol of which, just as the previous, is a necessary requirement to receive the Holy Spirit as Lord of your life, and this is the requirement to honor the Holy Convocation. <clears throat> and at the time of uh, the Holy Convocation, no customary work was to be done. Any celebration was called the Sabbath. If it was seven days or 14 days, it was still called the Sabbath. The celebration uh, was sometimes at any day of the week, but whatever the day would be, it was still called the Sabbath day. And so no customary work it to be done on that day means, or no customary work to be done on the Sabbath is to not to make any attempt to justify yourself before God with your own personal righteousness that is of the law, but with the one that is through faith in Christ. Sabbath is God's peace, and you need to appear not with your own righteousness, but the righteousness that is uh, by faith. Philippians 3, 9 through 11, and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. Second, not to do any customary work on the Sabbath is to hallow your dedication before God. Upon practice, this means to avoid and not come in contact with those people that call themselves worshipers of God, but are not really so. 1 Timothy 6, 3 through 5, if anyone teaches otherwise and does not consent to hold some words even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ and to the doctrine which accords with godliness he is proud knowing nothing but to but is obsessed with disputes and arguments over words from which come envy strife revelry and suspicion come useless wranglings of men of corrupt minds and destitute of the truth who suppose that godliness is a means of gain from such withdraw yourselves 
And so when you take part in what they do, you are a part of them. Therefore, the requirements of such such a sanctification, dedication, celebration to God, honoring the holy convocation speaks of the selective love of God towards men, where God from the multitude of the called to salvation guarantees salvation only to the chosen by God remainder, the small flock of the chosen that fulfilled those requirements. Only those are guaranteed salvation that receive the Holy Spirit as the Lord and Master of their life, fulfilling the essence of all of the requirements where they received their justification freely by grace and hallowed their dedication to God. The essence of the selective love of God towards man is confirmed by specific and uncontroversial words of Scripture. People based on their behavior towards God and His nation are separated into vessels of wrath and vessels of mercy. Romans 9, 22 through 28, if, What if God, wanting to show His wrath and to make His power known, enduring with much long suffering the vessels of wrath prepared for destruction, the fact that He keeps them and they don't experience wrath, that doesn't mean they're vessels of mercy. It is written, With much long suffering the vessels of wrath prepared for destruction. They live, they multiply, they rejoice, they are glad, they use the gifts of the Holy Spirit, they increase, but and there is no curse upon them. And all think, oh, this is because see, they don't, they are not cursed. They, but the scriptures say that these are these are vessels of wrath, and that God is keeping them, so they not see they're under curse. Because if they see, they will find a way out. But they're not looking for a way out. The vessels of wrath are those that have have pretty much uh, pampered God's truth and placed themselves first and God left them and when God left them they became free from the law of righteousness they became free from righteousness became uh, servants of sin and began to experience inner euphoria and the curse is upon them but they don't feel it and they say the mercy of the Lord is renewed for us every morning see what happens Uh, God with much long suffering the vessels of wrath prepared for destruction Jesus said in another place through a a prophet Isaiah that they may not hear or see or understand so I that lest I I heal them he closes their ability to repent because they have already drawn out all of God's long-suffering and patience and have dried it and so here it is written that is why that he prepared them that he might make known the riches of his glory on the vessels of mercy which he had prepared beforehand for glory that Apostle Paul writes even us whom he called not of Jews only but also of the Gentiles as he says also in Hosea I will call them my people who were not my people and her and her beloved who has not beloved and it shall come to pass in the peace where it was said of them and Isaiah also proclaims about and cries out concerning Israel though the number of the children of Israel be as the sand of the sea the remnant will be saved for he will finish the work and cut it short in righteousness because the Lord will make a short work upon the earth he'll save one for keep one for for the destruction and the others for glory those that are in glory they are in great trials and people say where is your Christ just as they said to Jesus uh, where is your Christ come down from the cross 
But for the others, they say, where is your God? Because they have everything going smoothly. And they are thinking they are going to hell, heaven, but they're going to hell. Continuing his teaching, Apostle Paul once more confirms that if the called do not transform into the quality or essence of the chosen, they shall be cut off from the root of their salvation. Romans 11, 22-24. Therefore, consider the goodness and severity of God. You see, the love of God is selective goodness and severity on those who fell severity towards you goodness if you continue in his goodness otherwise you also will be cut off and they also if they do not continue in unbelief will be grafted unbelief is disobedience to the word of God because God is strong enough to bring them will be grafted in for God is able to graft them in again but for if you were cut out of the olive tree which is wild by nature and were grafted contrary to nature into a cultivated olive tree this is talking about the remainder, the remaining uh, number of Israel that will again graft themselves to their roots. How much more will these who are natural branches be grafted unto their own olive tree? Previously, we noted that during the Holy Convocation was the time when it was necessary to bring two new wave loaves with the pour out of the various offerings, speaks of our belonging to the sovereign boundaries of the Kingdom of Heaven, identified as the body of Christ, identifying the requirements of belonging to the Holy Convocation, which the body of Jesus Christ or the Bride of the Lamb is a unity of specific requirements that are reflected and poured out onto many places of Scripture and especially the book of Apostle Paul to the Romans, which has become the subject of our study. Romans 12, 3 through 21. Romans 12, 3 through 21. For I say, through the grace given to me to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. The requirement, if this requirement is not fulfilled, then we will not be able to be a part of the Holy Convocation and will not have the ability to receive the Holy Spirit as the Lord and the Master of our life. For as we have many have many members in one body, but all not but all of the members do not have the same function. So we being many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us let us use them. If prophecy let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Or ministry, let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching, he exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with liberality. He who leads with diligence, he who show, uh, shows mercy with cheerfulness. Let love be without hypocrisy, abhor what is evil, cling to what is good. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love, in honor giving preference to one another, not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer distributing to the needs of the saints, given to hospitality. Bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind towards one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. Repay no one for evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible, as much as it depends on you, live peace 
peaceably with all men. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to the wrath of God. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will heap coals of fire on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. In this sufficiently large place of scripture, we see the order of the Holy Convocation as well as the requirements making us a part of honoring the Holy Convocation, which is the body of Christ. Fulfilling these requirements, we receive the ability to bind ourselves to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit in turn receives the ability to become the Lord and Master of our life. Fulfilling these requirements are signs which are evidence that we have the fruits of resurrection with which we are, a, we are to clothe ourselves so we can be in accordance to the requirements of perfection that is in the likeness of our Heavenly Father. With this, we will remember that these requirements, one next to the other, are presented in a fascinating balance and confirm the truthfulness of one the other. Therefore, either you have a balance of all these characteristics or we don't have them and are deceiving ourselves. Not honoring or not fulfilling these requirements will not allow the Holy Spirit to become the Lord and Master of our life and will result in our names being forever blotted out of the book of life, although it was once written there. If, you're been, if you've been attentive, then you will notice that when listening to these requirements, you can reread them again. There is, you'll pay attention that the, there is an absence of a so-called evangelism that by many who are called to salvation, again, there's an absence of evangelism, that by the many who are called to salvation, especially in these last days, due to their hard heart, is considered a panacea that is a remedy or a solution for their difficulties or is received by them as a guarantee of salvation. This is a lie. You can gain the whole world and perish. That is what the scriptures say. What will a person give for a soul? He'll gain the whole world, but will lose his soul. By the words of Christ, such an approach to evangelism out of the order of the order of that God has placed will lead a person to perish. Matthew sixteen twenty four through twenty six. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? Therefore, we in a particular format have already looked at some of the requirements, and I will remind us of the wording of it and will continue to study further. First, when serving each other with the gifts you possess, not to think of yourself more highly than you ought to think, but think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. Second component of the requirements to honor the Holy Convocation, giving us the ability to receive the Holy Spirit as Lord and Master of our life, is the condition that you love or your love be without hypocrisy. Third component of the requirements to honor the Holy Convocation is not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, and serving the Lord. Fourth is rejoicing in hope, patience in tribulation, and continuing steadfastly in prayer. Fifth is distributing to the needs of the saints and being given to hospitality.
Sixth requirement is to bless those who persecute you, bless and not curse them. Seventh is the next, the seventh component of the requirement of the of honoring the Holy Convocation, giving us the ability to receive the Holy Spirit as the Lord and Master of our life, is to rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. This requirement defines the atmosphere of the love of God in that relationship of the holy people one with the other. This requirement demonstrates the natural qualities of the love of God existing exclusively in that person who is born from the imperishable seed of the word of truth demonstrating feeling and compassion one to, e to the other or towards each other and taking part in their joy and their grief. With this phenomenon of taking part in joy and sorrow is received as something deeply personal that happens in the organism of the body of Jesus Christ, which we are organic members of. 1 Corinthians 12, 26-31 And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. Or if one member is honored, all of the members rejoice with it. Now you are the body of Christ and members individually, and God has appointed those in the church, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healing, helps, healings, helps, administration, various variety in tongues, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, are all workers of miracles, do all have these gifts of healing, do all speak with tongues, do all interpret, but earnestly desire the gifts, best gifts, and yet I show you a more ex excellent way. Looking at the order of the functions in the body of Christ, we can see that the virtue and gifts that God dresses his descendants with speaks of the fact that we are members of his family, in Jesus Christ or the members of the body of Christ. In this way, the function that happens in the body of Christ depends from the level of our dedication, where we are also being dressed into the equal level of gifts that the Holy Spirit gives to the members of the body of Christ. With this, we need to pay our attention to the fact that the, the power of the Holy Spirit that are revealed in the qualities of His gifts can dress, a, can dress the members of the body of Christ upon the condition that these members will be earnestly desiring these gifts. To earnestly desire within God's desire God's within God's placed order that we see in a list of priorities what you need to be earnestly desiring first and what you need to be earnestly desiring second. We see, summing up the given requirement, we see that if we will not rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn, the Holy Spirit will not have the receive the ability to be the Lord and Master of our life. The eighth component of the requirement to honor the Holy Convocation, giving us the ability to receive the Holy Spirit as the Lord and Master of our life, is to be of the same mind towards one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. To be same-minded towards one another, not to set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble, and do not be wise in your own opinion. To be same-minded is the choice and decision of a wise and desired unanimity, where we receive the ability to think, to meditate, to study within the lights of the Urim and the Thummim. Upon practice, this means to speak the same things that God has revealed in Scripture by the Holy Spirit to that person that God has placed over us as responsible. We have hundreds of heads, and if each one comes from their own head, then uh, there will not be 
unanimity. And so if you need, you want this to happen, you need to have one head and all need to be of the same mind. When I preached about this, suddenly a lot of people blew up saying, well, I have my own head. And all those who said, I have my own head, they have left the church and God showed great mercy and cleansed the church. We would not have been able to be freed from them otherwise. These heads, we did not have the ability to uh, disqualify them, but if they would have spoken earlier to me that I have my own head, I would not have received them into the church at all. But when they came, they agreed that they are coming and they agreed to be in this unanimity and they refused, they, they, they were in it for a while and then they refused it and decided that they had their own head and their own way of thinking and understanding things. And they couldn't take it anymore when they uh, began to hear these sermons uh, again and couldn't take it anymore and came to me in tears and said, I can't take this anymore. And I became surprised. What were they not able to tolerate anymore? Uh, they, and as soon as they left, they experienced such freedom they, they, as they say. Here they say they were slaves and, and, and now they are free there and that their service became a celebration every time after their churches they would order pizzas and and celebrate greatly uh, I'm just saying what unanimity means upon practice to speak the same uh, you need to speak the same things that the, that God has revealed in scripture by the Holy Spirit to that person that God has placed over us as responsible. This is a necessary and important aspect of unanimity that Apostle Cephas, the son of Joannan, to, to whom Jesus gave the name Peter, which means rock or living rock. 1 Peter 3, 8 through 9. Finally, all of you be of one mind, having not just Apostle Paul wrote about this, but Peter also. Having compassion for one another, love as, bro love as brothers, be tender-hearted, be courteous, not returning evil for evil or re reveling for reveling, but on the contrary, blessing, knowing that you were called to this, that you may inherit a blessing. Here is how Jesus, is, Jesus explained the principle of <clears throat> principle and discipline of unanimity, speaking of himself and the Heavenly Father. John 5.30 I can of myself do nothing, as I hear, I judge, and my judgment is righteous, because I do not seek my own will, but the will of the Father who sent me. He had his own head, he had his own judgment, but he did not, he put it aside and said, I place my mind, and I speak only the things that my Father speaks and reveals. He opened my ear and I was not 
and I did not resist these things. I speak the things I hear from my Father. This is where Jesus showed this unanimity. He himself had his own head and better than even today, our heads. But people say, I'm sorry, I have my own head. They say, when our youth is 14, 15, they, 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 they have their own opinion, but when they're 17, 18 or old, that's it. A father and mother when a, a father and mother says something to them, they become angry and uh, upset. They throw their spoon to the side at the table. They think that their head is better than the one of their father. But Jesus, if you see, being God and having all, he says, I have many things to say about you to the Pharisees, but I say only that, that the father has allowed me to say. And so the price for obtaining unanimity is not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. Setting your mind on high things is pride that is revealed in boasting and arrogance, where a person trusts upon his own mind, upon his experience and his education. And what we rely upon is our God and our worship. People that rely upon the abilities of their mind are haters of God. When a person says, I don't understand it that way, then in this way he says, I am God. Ezekiel 28, 6-10, Therefore thus says the Lord God, because you have set your heart as the heart of a God, you take my, my thoughts, you read them, and you say, I don't understand it this way. You, God tells you through that person that he has sent and revealed this word, these thoughts, and you say, well, I don't understand it, that way I have my own Bible, then God says, because you set your mind equal to, to God's mind, Behold, therefore, I will bring strangers against you, the most terrible of the nations, and they shall draw their swords against the beauty of your wisdom and defile your splendor. They shall throw you down into the, into the pit, and you shall die the death of the slain in the midst of the seas. Will you still say before him who slays you, I am a god, but, shall, but you shall be a man and not a god in the hand of him who slays you. You shall die the death of the uncircumcised by the hand of aliens, for I have spoken, says the Lord God. People who have made a covenant with God, who have received baptism and speaking in tongues, but because the Lord has not become the Holy Spirit has not become the Lord and Master of their life because the Holy Spirit would have revealed His truth through that person that He has sent, but people refuse to listen. God can't be the Lord of their life and their circumcision will no longer become circumcision. He says, you will die as the uncircumcised. When a person says, it is written in Scripture, then he in this way says, the Lord is God because he has magnified his word above all of his name. Psalm 138.2 I will worship towards your holy temple and praise your name for your loving kindness and your truth, for you have magnified your word above all your name. The word that comes out of the mouth of the Heavenly Father has the work of His mighty power with which He created and keeps all of His creation and by which He resurrected Christ and has submitted under His feet all that is seen and unseen and placed Him as a head of the church. Ephesians 1, 19 through 23. It's talking about the Word of God. 
And what is the exceedingly great exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principalities and powers and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age but also which is to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head of all over all uh, all of the things to the church which is his body and the fullness of him who fills all in all based on the given word what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his mighty power we see that every time we confess the faith of God that is contained in our heart in the work of the Urim and the Thummim our word becomes equal to the power of the word of God that comes from his mouth and as we often say, in order for the confessions of the faith of our heart to be equal in power to the word of God that comes from his mouth, it is necessary for us to have within our heart the faith of God in the format of the Thummim that presents within our heart the teaching of Jesus Christ that came in the flesh, about which Jesus spoke. <clears throat> John 7, 16 through 18, Jesus answered them and said, My doctrine is not mine, but his who sent me. If anyone wills to do his will, he shall know concerning the doctrine, whether it is from God or whether I speak on my own authority. He who speaks from himself seeks his own glory, but he who seeks the glory of one whom sent one who sent him is true, and no unrighteousness is in him. For Jesus to confess the teaching that was not the product of his mind, it was necessary for him to humble himself to death and the death of the cross. Therefore, to associate with the humble and not be wise in your own opinion is to walk the footsteps of the sheep that follow their shepherd and differentiate his voice from other voices, as well as shepherd the, the lambs that is shepherd your mind next to the tents of the shepherds. Songs of Solomon 1, 7 and 8. Tell me, O you whom I love, where, your, where you feed your flocks, where you make it, make it rest at noon. For why should I be as one who veils your, herself by the flocks of your companions? If you do not know, O fairest among women, follow in the footsteps of the flock and feed your little goats beside the shepherds' tents. <clears throat> this, of course, is an allegory, and we already under, uh, have studied it. Summing up the given requirements, we see that if we place our personal opinions about the revelations that God gives us, or above the revelations that God gives us, by that person that has that has been placed to shepherd his church, we will never be able to be a part of the Holy Convocation. In result, the Holy Spirit that we received in the baptism and speaking in tongues will never be able to be the Lord with and Master of our life. The ninth component of the requirement to honor the Holy Convocation, giving us the ability to receive the Holy Spirit as the Lord and Master of our life, is to repay no one evil for evil, have regard for good things in the sight of all men, and if possible, as much as it depends on us, live peaceably with all men. The phrase repay no one evil for evil, have regard for good things in the sight of all men means not take upon yourself the position of head judge, but seek the ability to sow the work, show the work of light before all men. 1 Peter 2, 9, 10 But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into marvelous light, who once were not a people but are now the people of God, who have 
not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. The phrase, if it is possible, as much as it depends on you, live peaceably with all men, means have peace upon the condition, if this peace will pe- with people will not violate the boundaries of holiness or the requirements of holiness. Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. <coughs> you don't need to be in peace with people that are... <coughs> if it's possible from your side to have peace with all men, but it also explains who we are not to have peace with. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness, and what communion has light with darkness, and what accord has Christ with Belial, or what part has a believer with an unbeliever, and what agreement has the temple of God with idols, for you are the temple of the living God, as God has said, I will dwell in them and walk among them, I will be their God and they shall be my people. Therefore come out from among from among among them and be separate, says the Lord, do not touch what is unclean and I will receive you. 2 Corinthians 6, 14 through 18. Summing up the given requirement, we see that if we repay evil for evil and will not regard for good things in the sight of all men, and if possible, as much as it depends on us to live peaceably with all men, the Holy Spirit, whom we received in the baptism of speaking in tongues, will never be able to be the Lord and the Master of our life if we do not do these things. Tenth requirement, the next, this component allowing us to honor the Holy Convocation, giving us the ability to receive the Holy Spirit as the Lord and Master of our life, (coughs) is not avenge ourselves, but rather give place to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. The essence of the requirement that makes us a part of the Holy Convocation and giving the Holy Spirit the ability to be the Lord and Master of our life is in, consists in the in giving place for God's wrath. We actually accept within God the status of the head judge, and in this way honor His order that we fu- where we fulfill our role that we refuse to avenge ourselves. <clears throat> we actually hope and rely upon God that gives. And in this way, we allow God to fulfill His role and to avenge us and fulfill his word. Psalm 22, 4, 5. Our fathers trusted in you. They trusted you and you delivered them. They cried to you and were delivered. They trusted in you, they trusted in you and were not ashamed. We will also look at another prayer of David where he confesses before God his hope as in an argument and evidence giving him the right to receive a response to his request. Psalm 141, 8 and 9. But my eyes are upon you, O God, the Lord. In you I take refuge. Do not leave my soul distute. Keep me from the snares they have laid for me and from the traps of the workers of iniquity. The thoughts, the meaning of this phrase, prayer that does not have the element of hope upon God, where we refuse to give vengeance to God, Our eyes will not be upon God, but upon others. We turn our eyes towards what we hope upon, what is our our protection. And and this can be from any enemy or any loss. 
for God to be able to fulfill our need and to keep us from the snares of the evil one that, is, who, that has been set against us. <clears throat> when we're looking at hope, hope uh, is sometimes confused with with trust and reliance. And so reliance comes from hope, and this comes from the teaching of Jesus Christ that came in the flesh. Just as uh, gentleness uh, produces humility, and so we can see that we can hope only upon what we believe and what we rely upon. To rely upon something is to lean upon something, to, uh, to look at something and to build upon something. And this something needs to be a foundation or a foundation that is of specific components. The components are not just hope and trust upon God. To rely upon God is to trust upon God, to lean upon God, to thank God, to look upon upon God's word, to show your faith and hope upon God, to build upon God, to make God your stronghold and your protection. Linked with this, I would like to turn and remind us of the following questions. And this will help explain, put everything in its, in its place. First, we need to define the genesis from which hope comes. We also need to explain the role and purpose that hope is to fulfill within our life. We need to study the condition that is necessary for receiving and obtaining this hope. And fourth, to turn specific attention to the reward of keeping, uh, obtaining and keeping this hope in our life. And so the question, what do the scriptures say about the root th from which hope comes, hope upon God comes? Hope upon God grows from, <clears throat> uh, from God himself and from the entrails of God himself and is God. Psalm 62, 7, in God is my salvation and my glory, the rock of my strength and my refuge is in God. God himself is our hope, from him comes our hope. <clears throat> hope upon God is based upon the resurrection of Christ and upon his glory which God has given him. First Peter 1.21, who through him believe in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. Third, hope in God grows from the root of reliance upon God. Jeremiah 17, 7, Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is the Lord. From this, we can see that a person can be blessed from the Lord only when his hope upon God is coming in his reliance upon God. Fourth, hope upon God grows from the judgments of God that are contained in Scripture, Psalm 119, 43. And take not the word of truth utterly out of my mouth, for I have hoped in your ordinances. Fifth, hope upon God is drawn and grows from the information that is contained in the Holy Scriptures. Psalm 135, I wait for the Lord, my soul waits, and in his word I do hope. 
from this we can see that if what we hope upon and what we rely upon is our is our trust hope upon God comes when we look upon the Lord Psalm 141 8 but my eyes are upon you O God the Lord in you I take refuge do not leave my soul destute and so when we look at the Lord <coughs> upon his word then we have hope from this place of scripture we see that what we look upon and what we focus our attention to <coughs> or upon is our hope Seventh, hope upon God grows from the fear of the Lord. Whenever I am afraid, I will trust in you. Psalm 56.3 We know that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of God's wisdom or the revelation of God that came from God. Specifically, this kind of fear uh, produces hope upon God. Hope upon God and hope upon your and hoping upon your abilities at the same time is not possible. Psalm 44, 6, David says, For I will not trust in my bow, nor shall my sword save me. Second question, what role and what purpose do the scriptures give the quality of hope upon God? The purpose of the hope we have upon God is called to give us the lawful right to call God our God. Psalm 31, 14, But as for you, as for me, I trust in you, O Lord. I say, you are my God. In other words, specifically hope is given so that we would be able to call God our God. This is the purpose of hope when God has placed the Church of Jesus Christ is the mother of all and God's hope we find here. And when we have this hope, we, due to this hope, the purpose of it, we can then turn to God and say, Heavenly Father, hallowed be your name. Turn to him, to our God, and not say, this is your God, or someone else's God. People say, why you're my God? Or why is your God not, uh, your God silent, they say. My friends told me these things that used to be who had the same God before as uh, as my God, but apparently they changed. And then they say, where's your God? Why is your God not avenging you? You see, obviously, enemies that go against you, they confront you, but your, uh, where's your God? But I told them, our gods have become different. For God to avenge, you needed to sow. But right now, you sowed, you said, why is my God not avenging uh, you, your God not avenging you? And two weeks after this, he was, he, he, he passed away, this, this person. Although he was my friend, we sang together, we worshipped together. He considered me his teacher, but then he looked at a different teacher, and he liked him more, and... <clears throat> uh, these terrible results happen. For the second, the purpose of hope upon God gives us the right to come near to God and to <clears throat> proclaim His work. Psalm 73:28. But it, it is good for me to draw near to God. I have put my trust in the Lord God that I may declare all God's works. In accordance to these words, specifically those who hope upon God can come near to the Lord, and only those who hope upon God can declare all of His works. 
<coughs> and in this way, the one that hopes upon God, God can protect this person so that he not avenge himself. Third purpose of hope upon God is called to give us the guarantee that God will hear us when we will be praying. Psalm 38:15. For in you, O Lord, I hope you will hear, you will hear, O Lord, my God. A person is confident that God will hear him when he's on his knees. Why? Because he has hope. If a person does not have hope, he stands and prays and thinks, oh, well, God will not hear or respond. <clears throat> when God hears, he responds. But even if God is silent, but you have hope upon God, you will be silent and you... Because God is silent when, when you're right. <clears throat> if you're not right, he will open up or reveal something to you. But if you're right, he'll be silent. And so sometimes his silence will be a response. <clears throat> and so the silence of God is also a response. I've understood this very well in prayer. When I decided with my wife uh, to... Uh, pray separately in different places if we will not understand each other or come to some kind of uh, peace, uh, peaceful uh, decision on something to, uh, in regards to our children or, or other things. If I see something in one way, she another in a certain situation, and when we go to separate rooms, I pray and say, Lord, I think I'm right, but... I'm a person, I can make mistakes, and I put myself in a neutral position, and then God revealed to me that I'm wrong. And I went and repented for that, and asked forgiveness. But there was times when God was silent. Time passed, and then my wife would come and, and, and ask for forgiveness, because God would show her, her that she was wrong. <clears throat> when she went to her room and closed her door and prayed, God would reveal either to her that she is wrong or to me that I'm wrong. And sometimes uh, uh, she asked, why didn't you uh, do what you said you would do? I said, I changed my mind. And she says, yes, I was praying about that. And he said, and, and I would tell her that uh, continue to do so. Because if we put ourselves in a, in a neutral position and we ask the Lord, Lord, what is right here? And the Lord will respond. Either with silence, which can also be a response, or by letting us know. Fourth purpose of hope upon God is called to uh, bring great joy in us and will allow the Lord to defend us. Psalm 511, but let all those rejoice who have put their trust in you. Let them ever shout for joy because you defend them. Let those, all, all, those also who love your name be joyful in you. From this we can see that God truly covers and defends those who hope upon him and this hope also brings out joy and gladness. That's why we don't avenge ourselves, we allow him to judge. Fifth purpose of hope upon God is called to serve for us as protection from his wrath, from his very wrath. Psalm 2.12, kiss the son lest he be angry, and you perish in the way when his wrath is kindled but a little. Blessed are all those who put their trust in him. It's talking about 
Those who hope upon him, when the time of visitation comes and his wrath is kindled, it will not be kindled against these people who hope upon him. From these prophetic words we can see that an absence of hope upon God is an absence of honoring God. From this we can see that those holy people who refuse to hope upon God are vessels of wrath, and the holy people that hope upon God are vessels of mercy. It is important to understand this. Sixth purpose of hope upon God is called to make us free from fear of our own flesh. Psalm 56, 4. In God I will praise his word. In God I have put my trust. I will not fear what can flesh do to me. Often our desire, the desires of our, our flesh are so uh, burning so, so strongly. Uh, a person says, Lord, I'm sorry, I can't take it anymore. And, they, and then you go and commit your, the sin. You're afraid of your soul. We know due to specific situations things happen and we're afraid that this situation will come. We know our own soul, our flesh. But a person that trusts upon God says, I will not fear this soul, this flesh. What will it do to me? So you will not fear then what is of the flesh and what comes from it uh, when you trust upon God because you put yourself inside God and God gives you then victory and you see then how in this situation you did not actually fall and uh, sin. You overcame your flesh. Seventh purpose of hope upon God is called to serve for us as absolute independence from, uh, as an absolute uh, independence or absence of fear of men. Psalm 56, 11. In God I have put my trust. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? These people do not fear other men because fear of men uh, shows that you don't have hope upon God. We hope upon someone or something that we fear of, that we fear, and that is the one we boast about and the one we walk before, or the uh, judgments that we depend from so that they not know about this. That means you walk before them. That means they are your God so that they not know things. 1 Corinthians 4.3 But with me it is very small thing that I should be judged by you or by a human court. In fact, I, did, I do not even judge myself. When a person stops judging, Oh, what are they saying about me? That's it. I can't go to this church anymore. What are they saying about me? But I say, listen, they're not saying anything about you because they don't know you. One, two, three, four people know you, but you think that now everyone, for everyone, you are number one, and now everyone's looking at you. The devil is deceiving you. Your flesh is deceiving your body, your soul. You think that everyone is just looking at you and talking about you. Oh, what they're going to say. No one's going to say anything. If you're going to walk before God, if you have done something but you walk before God, all will see how you overcome these things. Eighth purpose of hope upon God is called to open up for us the potential of God and faithfulness of God. Psalm 31, 12, 31 19. Oh, how great is your goodness, which you have laid up for those who fear you, which you have prepared for those who trust in you in the presence of the sons of men. How much goodness God has prepared for those who hope upon him. So the purpose of hope in this situation is important. 
because God has prepared for those who hope great things. And so they know because the account that is in heaven is also in your heart. Your heart is the bank that is already in heaven and what God places there, he places in your heart also. And the things that are placed in you are in heaven. And so you wait how much good God has for those who hope upon him. Ninth purpose of hope upon God is called to turn to us God's favor and his mercy. Psalm 147.11, the Lord takes pleasure in those who fear him and those who hope in his mercy. People hope upon God's mercy. Not because, Lord, I have done so much for you. They hope upon his mercy. God can't show us mercy because of our, of our own deeds. Show mercy because I hope upon you, because you are my righteousness. You are my wisdom. And everything I've done, I've done because of your wisdom and all the glory belongs to you. This is... These are those people that lay down their crowns, the 24 elders and the four living beings, they uh, living creatures, and they say that you have delivered us from all tribes, languages, peoples, and we will serve you on the, and we will serve you, the God of all the earth. And so they say everything belongs to you. This is not because of me, this is because of you. The tenth purpose of the hope we have upon God is called to serve as a shield from the fiery darts of the wicked one. Psalm 35, every word of God is pure. He is a shield to those who put their trust in him. If we have hope, this hope becomes a shield from the fiery darts of the wicked one. Third question. Our time is up, but we have a couple of minutes. What conditions are to be fulfilled to be able to be dressed into the virtue of hope in God? We talked about how, who, what God, what hope is, what spring it comes from, what purpose it has, and now what we need to do to have this hope upon God. First, to have, to be dressed into the hope we need to have in God, in God we need to be students of Christ. So that your trust may be in the Lord, I have instructed you today, even you. Proverbs 22, 19. You want to have hope upon God? Stop hoping upon your head and your abilities. Be like-minded. If you want to, if you want to hope upon God, accept the person that God has placed and what he will say. Second, to be able to receive hope upon God, it is necessary to be nourished by the breasts of the mo of your mother. Psalm 22, 9, But you are, you are he who took me out of the womb. You made me trust while on my mother's breast. To be nourished by the breasts of our mother is our mother is the church that God has given us and point, appointed for us. To be dressed into the hope we need to have in God, we need to allow Jesus to be living in our heart. 
Colossians 1.26-27, the mystery which has been hidden from ages and from generations, but now has been revealed to his saints. To them God will to make known that what are the riches of the glory of his mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. From this place of scripture, we can see that those who hope upon God are those who have allowed Christ to live within their heart. And this means to present the interests of Christ on earth, in heaven, and hell. Fourth, to be able to receive and be dressed into the hope of God, it is necessary to allow God to place himself, place us into his entrails. Psalm 91, 1-2, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge, my fortress, my God in whom I trust. From these words that are popular among the Christian people, to allow Jesus, to allow us to be placed into Jesus, we will then dwell in the secret place of the Most High. One of the conditions of being dressed into hope in God is our decision and ability to give God the right and ability to present our interests on earth, in heaven, and in hell. And in result, those who hope upon God, this will be also their dwelling place when we allow God to protect us to be on our side, to be our judge. Fifth, to be able to be dressed into hope in God, it is necessary to allow God to renew His mercy for us every morning. Lamentation 3.21-23 This I recall to my mind, therefore I have hope. Through the Lord's mercy we are not consumed because of His compassions fail not they are new every morning great is your faithfulness <clears throat> from this prayer of the prophet we can see that the renewance of God's uh, mercy the renewance of God's mercy to us every morning we have not disappeared because <clears throat> because of God's mercy due to his faithfulness has not disappeared by our confessions that we have we then can have his mercy renewed for us every morning to be dressed into the hope of the Lord it is necessary to be a servant of the Lord Psalm 34 22 the Lord redeems the soul of his servants and none of those who trust in him shall be condemned looking at these words we can see that the promises of delivering your soul from the from perishing is only for those who have the virtue of a student of the Lord and seventh to be dressed into the hope of the Lord it is necessary not to doubt any word of God every word of God is pure he is a shield to those who put their trust in him Proverbs 35 to believe everything that is written in the word to hope upon it, to rely upon it. Our time is up right now. We are going to pray and all those who desire to confront their their soul, all peoples, all of hell, all their, the bitternesses they may have, the losses they've experienced. Uh, God is on your side if you will have this hope upon Him. And right now we will pray in all of those who desire to receive freedom, freedom from sickness because those who rely upon God and hope upon God will receive healing. I don't know how it will come. Sometimes it's by doctors. Sometimes it's supernaturally. But even with doctors, it's supernatural. Every doctor knows this. Sometimes doctors experience the presence of God when they're operating on them not always one doctor told me I felt a specific presence 
And they told me, this is a very harsh and strict person, but this person actually was talking to me very kindly and smiling at me. And this doctor, when God is on your side, he will turn those powers that are on earth and he'll be for us and he it is necessary you have this hope and you receive this hope and say Lord I hope in you that you not break and say wave your hand and say well nothing works anyway don't go anywhere remain before him and he will respond to you let us pray the Holy Spirit is here to yet again confirm his truth that if you will hope in him he will fulfill what right now I'm going to be praying your prayer and I ask you to deeply believe that God is for you and that he's on your side close your eyes this is uh, your secret room lift your hands to God God likes it when you lift your hands without doubt and purely everything he has promised in his word he wants to and is strong enough to do Heavenly Father in the name of Jesus Christ I come to you with my broken heart with my shame with my losses with my doubts I ask you forgive me wash me cleanse me heal my wounds remove my shame I open up my heart for your hope I receive your Holy Spirit I receive your word this is my hope I hope upon you I will look upon you I will wait for your mercy from you I believe that you will heal me and will show your mercy to me may your glory be upon me and upon my children Amen May the Lord bless you. May he look upon you with a shining face and show you mercy and give you peace. May thousands and ten thousands attempt to come near you, but they will not touch you. May the blessings of the valleys and the hills be upon you. May this be upon you and your children and be fulfilled upon you. And the nation shall say, Amen. And now all of us together let us proclaim our unchanging manifestation. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To God our Savior who alone is wise be glory and majesty, dominion and power both now and forever. Amen.